Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've just met this year, and we've only met virtually. We've led virtual retreats together for liturgy training publications, and she is the lifelong faith and lay ministry formation coordinator for the Diocese of Davenport, Iowa. It's Rosina Hendrickson. Welcome, Rosina. Thank you, Julia. It's great to be here tonight. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. I'm looking forward to talk about this passage with you, but why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, as Julia said, I serve as the Lifelong Faith and Lay Ministry Formation Coordinator for the Diocese of Davenport, Iowa, which means I'm in charge of helping people in parish ministry learn what it is to be a disciple, to Mm. discover what it means to fall in love with God, to live as Christ calls us to. And so I do that in various ways, but mostly by accompanying people and offering resources and support. One of the other areas that I've um, recently started working with is coaching for ministry, where I walk with people and help them discover what they already know about themselves with respect um, for ministry and for life. And that's rewarding in a completely different way. I bet. That is so interesting. I'm. Did your diocese find that you ha- had a need for that and then they trained you to fit that need? Or like, how did that come about? To, I feel like it's so specific, but so needed. Um, actually, I had a colleague who is part of a an organization called Vibrant Faith Ministries. And Vibrant Faith just recently started a coaching school. And I was invited to be part of the inaugural group. And I realized that what I do in ministry oftentimes is consulting, Mm -hmm. where I walk in as the expert and say, hey, this is what you need to know. Well, in Mm -hmm. coaching, I walk in and say, you are the expert. You tell Uh, me what you know. And so it's completely transformed how I do ministry. mm -hmm. Uh, I still do some consulting, you know, because there's still some places where people are like, tell me how to do this. I need this. But it's so much more powerful to hear somebody say, oh, I know what I need to do and right. have that happen that way. That's so, awesome. I, and that's what really what ministry should be, I feel like. And that's my own personal thing. I mean, people have the gifts, um, but but doing ministry well is so important. So it sounds like you're going in and helping people just discover what they already have and help them fine tune it, which I think is exactly you know, what we need and, and what ministry should be. So that's awesome. Absolutely. I love, I'd say this in every episode. I feel like I'm always like, oh, this is my favorite passage. And like, oh, this passage is so great. But like, truly this passage that you picked is one that I've for years always gone back to. I just, I think it teaches us so much about prayer and things that I can't wait for us to get into. So you have picked a passage from first Kings chapter 19, which is a pretty famous passage verses 11 through 13. And um, I know you said you had a couple of different translations maybe for us, but whenever you're ready, whatever version you'd like to pick, I'm going to have you go ahead and read the passage you've chosen for us. Okay. Well, I am going to read from the New American, but then Mm -hmm. after we get done, I am going to have us look, or I'm going to invite us to talk (laughs) about how one particular verse is translated in four different 
translations because it's one of the key, at least in my mind, it's the key part of the verse. Or of the I text. love that. I'm such a scripture nerd. And um, I love I love that I've had so many variety of guests. I think some guests have been more maybe spiritual or like kind of a friendship kind of podcast. And then I have had some like diehard theology nerds. And so I'm really excited to, to geek out a little bit with you about this. But um, why don't you go ahead and read uh, the New American Translation for us? Okay. Then the Lord said... Go outside and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will be passing by. A strong and heavy wind was rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a tiny whispering sound. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. Okay. I love this. And there's so much that we can discuss. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm going to give a little bit of background just on first Kings and kind of where we're at in like the history of Israel and a little bit about Elijah. So the book of First Kings is in the history section of the Old Testament, but it's known for its kind of poetry. You hear it in what she just read. There's some repetition to it, and it would have been in the original Hebrew, some wordplay and, and poetry. And the historical accuracy of this book, even though it's in the history section, um, as in some many books in the Bible, sometimes history is maybe sacrificed to emphasize the importance of the characters. And we definitely have a lot of emphasis on um, Elijah's connection to Moses. And even in this passage, this book is taking place when Israel is split into the northern tribes and the uh, tribe of Judah, which we've discussed um, on this podcast before. And in this particular passage, Elijah has fled for his life because one of the kings during this time, Ahab and uh, the queen Jezebel have threatened to kill him. And so he is fleeing to this cave and would hear God's voice. And he's kind of clinging for some security because he's scared for his life at this point. Prophets were not really super well liked. So yeah, that's a little bit about, about what's going on in, in, in First Kings. What would you like to say about this book or this uh, the historical background piece? What I just find so interesting is that we look at this book in a way, the historical books, we start with Joshua and Judges mm-hmm. and one and two Chronicles and one and two. <laughs> and then we go into Samuel. That when we look at the, uh, sorry, Samuel comes before Kings. Yeah. You know, however it goes, because I'm not looking at my table of contents. <laughs> no, that's I, right. I don't remember my song. Uh, <laughs> but that that we do look at it as... The, we need to look at it for the revelation of what it tells us about the Israelite people. Mm-hmm, right. You know, even even though they're historical books that were not focused, did a po- point A come before point B come before point C? What is the big picture? Right. And I think as you told us about the the context of this coming as Elijah is fleeing for his life is so important because when are we fleeing for our lives? Maybe not in the same way as Elijah, but what are we maybe running for, from, or to? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what we need to look at. Not what we need to. One of the aspects we can look at with all of the historical books, but in particular, this life of the prophet Elijah. 
That's very well said. Um, I'm curious as to why did you pick this verse? This is one of my absolute favorite verses. Um, And I think one of the times that I really started to understand this verse was when I was in high school, I had, there was a youth minister at a parish, not, not my home parish, but a different parish who was also a musician. And he wrote a song based on this passage. And the song is called The Whisper in the Other Ear. Mm. It it starts off with somebody reading this passage and then calls us in song to consider when do we listen to the whisper in the other ear? Mm -hmm. And that, that thought of what voice are we listening for? Whose voice do we heed? Elijah listened for the earthquake and the fire and the thunder. And it was in that sound of the tiny whispering sound that he said, no, that's God. God's Mm -hmm. not in all the loudness around me. I need to stop and listen for that tiny sound. And I think personally, I don't always remember to stop and listen or I don't pay attention to it. Right. Yeah, I, I when I teach this um, this book and I teach a little bit about Elijah, I always use this passage and I use it to talk about prayer because I feel that it is so, it just points right to that, right? I think that in my prayer and also in my ministry, we were talking earlier earlier about what good ministry looks like. I think in my life, I've wanted these like big moments and I thought that, you know, that my ministry and my prayer was supposed to come in like these earthquakes and big booming voices and sounds and I was supposed to do these big things and know what to do. And then I've learned as I've gotten older and just in prayer that it's in the quiet moments. And my students struggle with quiet. And I think a lot of us do these days. So I don't know if you wanted to speak to any of that about what this says about prayer or ministry or quiet. Well, first and foremost, it tells us we need quiet in our lives. Yeah. Um, I actually, one of the other translations I had looked at, uh, the new revised standard version says that Elijah found God in the sound of sheer silence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when do we have sheer silence in our life? Right. I mean, even now, I I don't remember when it started, but years ago, I started listening to books on tape. Now it's books on, then it was books on CD. Right. Now it's <laughs> books on cell phone, you know? Yeah. But I, but I listen and have the book playing when I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I've done my prayer time. I've listened for God's voice, but I turn that book back on to fall asleep. I don't, you know, we turn the the news on when we get up in the morning. We turn the radio on. We have it in our car. And anywhere we are anymore, we're almost bombarded mm-hmm. by sound. And Absolutely. where is there, where is there a place for God to get a word in edgewise? Right. I know. I do the same. Like that's, I think what my students struggle, like I'll do um, a little meditation with them. We're all like, just turn off the lights. And um, usually actually when we talk about Moses and the burning bush, I like light a candle and I just have them kind of focus on that, the flame. And, but I, it's like two minutes. I just make them be quiet and it's really hard for them. And even then, as you're, like you were saying, it's not super quiet. Like there's somebody coughs or like a lawnmower is going on outside. You know, we don't have that super stillness. So that translation that you read of like, that sheer, like my original original thought was just like, 
how beautiful, but also how powerful and like almost maybe eerie because that's so foreign to us. I think of the person who was hearing, was a hearing person and then has a loss of hearing. Mm -hmm. They feel that profound silence Mm -hmm. in a different way, I think, from the individual who may have been born profoundly deaf. Um, Because that's a good point. They knew person A knew what sound was. Person B has never known the sound, Mm -hmm. at least not in the way we think of sound. We can feel sound, we can measure it, that kind of thing. But to live in that sense of sheer silence. Now, Mm -hmm. I am obviously not profoundly deaf. I don't necessarily know someone who is, even though I've had some experience with the deaf community. So I don't know what it's exactly like. So I'm one of my, my best friends here in Richmond is going deaf. So it's interesting that you say that. Um, she's an artist and uh, her father also has the same kind of, she's just been degenerative over time. And uh, the first thing that went to, that went for her, she said, were the sound of birds. She noticed that she couldn't hear the birds chirping anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so now in her art, a lot, she'll paint birds because it's a sign for her of like her, her deafness. Anyways, that just made me think of that. But you're right. Like it's different than somebody because I think it is a great, it's a great loss either way. But anyways, it's, it's right. that's part of her story. Yeah. So what, what we're, I'm curious as to what are some of the other translations then in, um, is it all in the regards to the silence and the way that they say silence or how else are some of them different? Yes. That, well, that, those were the ones that I actually took the notes of to not have to try and be flipping through four Bibles. Right. <laughs> you know, I love um, my guests that have like four Bibles in front of them. You're not the only one. I love, I love you all for it. <laughs> well, and given the fact that I'm still working remotely from home mm-hmm. means I don't have 10 Bibles in front of me because <laughs> all of my Bibles, all of, all of my Bibles, obviously I have four in front of me, but um <laughs> I probably have five or six other versions in my office because that's where all my, all my books are. And I chose to just stick with what was in my house. But I also had the New Jerusalem translation, which translates that passage as the sound of a gentle breeze. Mm-hmm. The Good News translation says the soft whisper of a voice. And then I also happen to have a King James version on my shelf. Nice. And that one said a still, small voice. And I think that's the one I'm the most familiar with is this, for some reason, the King James one, even though, um, I mean, I've always been raised in the New American as a Catholic, but I think that's the one that sticks as a small voice. But I'm really struck by the one that you read of that sheer silence that we talked about. I also mm-hmm. like the the translation of the breeze because that evokes like the Holy Spirit for me, you know, and there's other moments throughout the scriptures that we hear that you know, the driving wind and the breeze and um, the movement um, of God. So I don't know, which one do you prefer? Which one do you like the best? You know, I've always been struck by the still small voice, Mm -hmm. which ironically is like the translation we don't use. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I also was struck by the sheer silence tonight Mm -hmm. because I think of how does God call me? Um, Actually, I had the opportunity last week to reflect on our um, scripture passage that was for the 29th Sunday of Ordinary Time, the first reading from Isaiah, in which we hear that God has called us by name. It's Mm -hmm. phrased a little differently, but 
that's the interpretation. So it's thinking in that sense of God's calling me and he calls me through a whispering voice or a whispering sound. But in that new revised version, new NRSV version, it says in sheer silence. So God's Mm -hmm. silence or what I might perceive of as silence from God is actually his presence. It's not him abandoning me. It's not him saying, I'm not here yet. It's the, I'm here enveloping you. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be afraid of the silence. I think that's something in today's world, we're afraid of silence. We, we want to fill our life, fill our days, fill our energy, whatever it might be, with busyness so we're not alone. So we're not silent. Right, exactly. And that's, I think I kind of maybe have let off on a tangent when I was saying about my students before, but I think it's really hard for them because their life and their day is so filled with everything. And just their parents have given them, they made it so that their days are supposed to be busy because I think we think as Americans, that's what we're supposed to do is be productive. And then if we're sitting around, we're being lazy. And this time of 2020, it's been, I mean, it's been tough, but I've talked with a lot of people about how it's also a blessing because we've been forced to stop and have that silence. And I think a lot of good things have come of it. And maybe we've gotten uncomfortable in this moment too. And and there is certainly negative things that have come from this, but I think Mm -hmm. that discomfort can produce good. And, and if we, if we try to, you know what I mean? Like um, I'm sure that Elijah in this moment was uncomfortable. He was running for his life. Like you were saying at the beginning, like, what are we running from? You know, like, and then that Mm -hmm. quiet can help us in that discomfort to maybe figure out what are we running from? Why am I running? In a way, what you're saying makes me think of how three or four weeks ago, I stopped and took a retreat day. A colleague had, you know, a virtual retreat that she had not done before. And so she and I took a Saturday afternoon and a Sunday and spent time in retreat. And it's like, when was the last time I did this? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, how long has it been since I stopped and just let myself be present? Yes, six months ago when we got sent home. Oh, I have so much more quiet time. I'm able to, you know, spend more time in prayer. And then slowly over the course of these six months, life has filled back up. Right. Where was where is that silence today? For you, for me, for whoever's listening. If we don't make the time for that silence, we've missed out in a way because we've right. missed an encounter with God. Ugh. We can have we can have <laughs> encounters with God in the busyness of our day, sure. but to truly sit with God in silence. I know uh, that does. I mean, it cuts, and you're right because I'm guilty of it. This this week, um, I've been again. I've been trying to fill my time, even though, as you said, we're in quarantine for six months. It was novel at the beginning, but I've been still trying to fill my time, even though I'm not going out doing the normal things. So I started like writing for some blogs and doing the retreats that you and I have been leading for LTP. And this week, one of the groups I'm like working on this like Catholic women's blog, and we were going to do this retreat together. And we started on Sunday night with a Zoom call, and we're going to end this Sunday with a Zoom call. And the challenge from one of the leaders was to turn off our social media this week. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and I was like, oh, I got the podcast and like, oh, I have this blog coming out. I can't like not be on social media. I like justified it, right? I was like, sounds cute. Like that sounds cute and that would be really nice, but like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I I mean, so yeah, even though I'm silent and I'm not as active and I'm not as busy maybe as I was, I still am because I'm doing it just from home <laughs> in different ways on social media or at the computer or whatever. 
I know we're nowhere near the season of Lent right now. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're definitely in ordinary time. We're definitely waiting for the new liturgical year, but, um, or maybe we are in the new liturgical year whenever this podcast actually airs, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're definitely not in Lent, but I've been on diocesan teams where we do a retreat for Lent called unplugged and the trick, at least for that day, and then, um, being issued as the challenge going forward is to truly unplug from social media, from our Mm -hmm. cell phones, Mm -hmm. from the radio, from, in a sense, anything that has a plug, hence Mm -hmm. the name, Mm -hmm. to make time in our life for that silence, for that quiet, for God. Many years ago, I decided to give up the radio in the car for Lent. Mm -hmm. I've done that too. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, but I have to drive for grad mm-hmm. school. And now to be fair, my grad school was four hours away. One way. Oh, wow. I need something as I drive for grad school because I would drive class would be at six o'clock at night, get out at nine and I'd be driving home from nine to one. In oh the my morning. gosh. Yeah. My grandma was not a happy camper that oh she learned I was doing this. Um, but I justified to myself, just like you were, oh, we'll put this back in. Up until I really started with books on cell phone, MP3s, that kind of thing, I still, to this day, 12, 15 years later, whatever it might be, I don't listen to the radio in the car. Yeah. I I listen to my book now, but... Yeah, I definitely appreciate silence. And I think as a single person, I'm, it's a blessing because I can take, you know, if I plan my day properly, I can get up in the morning and I can have that cup of coffee and I can just sit like I want to in the morning or when I come mm-hmm. home at night. I mean, a pa- people who have families are not, they don't, it's harder for them, I think, to have that that silent moment because their day is not fully their own, <laughs> you know? So for right. me, I really don't, I don't have any excuses. And so I, I'm grateful because I do feel like I take that opportunity as, you know, maybe not as much as I should, but I try to, and I can, you know, what would you say for people who maybe silence is really hard to, you know, to take that time or for kids today where they're just not used to it? What would you maybe say are some tips to help? The first tip is don't tell yourself that you're going to be quiet or silent for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Right. You're, you're going to be silent for 15 seconds. You're going to be silent for 30 seconds. Um, You said with your students, you try to give them two minutes and Mm -hmm. They can't even handle two minutes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that be, be judicious about what you're saying. And how do you define silence? Don't just start cold turkey. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that most hinders you f- hearing God's voice? Okay, maybe that's your, your Facebook page, your Instagram, your social media. Turn it off for a day, you know, or if a day is too much to even start with kind of pay attention to how often you're checking. Right. How often are you posting? Oh, I'm every five minutes I'm looking at my phone. Okay. I'm going to set the timer for 10 minutes and we're going to make sure I can go 10 minutes without having to check that feed. You know, it's starting slow. It's, it's starting with what is most keeping you from being present to that silence. I think that's really good. Yeah, that's good advice, like to be practical and realistic. I think we do the same thing when we were trying to like, you mentioned Lent, like come up with Lenten sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Like we want to pick something realistic, not something that's 
not doable. So I think that's good advice for sure. What else were you going to say? Um, um, that si- it may be also a different idea of silence. So mm-hmm. you listen to whatever music, country, rock and roll, easy listening, whatever. Maybe it's putting on some instrumental music mm-hmm. and you've taken away and I would actually say classical rather than just instrumental because instrumental could be hymn tunes that have no words with it at this moment, but you're singing the hymn right. in your head. But you've lowered the level of what your noise is. So you're interacting with it in a different space and there's room for God to talk to us. Mm. You know, that's a that's another trick trick tip that I've found helpful is putting on, if I can't just be silent, putting on something that I can almost tune out, the white noise piece, because it allows your you to be present in a different way. I'm not mm-hmm. listening for the words. I'm not listening to the beat. It's just there. I think that's really, those are really, and I think those are tangible tips for people who maybe have a busy day or are not used to it. So I think that's really good advice. What other messages or things did you want us to get from this passage? What really strikes me, and it's really, you know, Julia, you say you love a good footnote. I, I do. I, you know, <laughs> I, you know my, I do. Yep. I went to my footnotes and um, it was the reminder in the footnote that we hear Moses on Mount Horeb and Moses mm-hmm. encountering God in the earthquake and the thunder and that but the other part of the footnote, and um, it says here that the way it's phrased is Moses and Elijah appeared with Christ at the time of his transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Well, duh. I on a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> on a mountain. Yep. But what struck me in reading that footnote, it wasn't something I didn't know, but I didn't associate the transfiguration right. with this passage. Mm-hmm. In the Transfiguration, which could be a whole other podcast, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the Transfiguration, we are seeing Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And it ties together how we could see God revealing himself to Moses mm-hmm. in the earthquake, in the wind, in, in the, the fire. fire. Yeah. And God saying, wait a second, Elijah, we're going to go a step further. I'm not going to be in the earthquake, the fire, the wind this time. They are going to herald my appearance. And I'm going to come to you in that silence. Mm -hmm. And then when we reach the Mount of Transfiguration, God is present to Moses and Elijah in the person of Christ. I know. Oh, my gosh. And I so... Yeah, I did notice the footnote and I noticed that like, yeah, there are Moses and Elijah definitely parallel here. And then of course they come together, as you mentioned, the transfiguration. I, I went to the Holy Land last year and I got to visit some of these places. So I got to go to Mount Carmel where, where they have this cave and where like Teresa of Avila and like they, the Carmelites would go and, and pray and in this spot. And then I got to go to the Mount of the Transfiguration as well. And um, it's just so cool. If if anybody, if we ever get to travel anywhere ever again, then <laughs> I recommend if you, if it's safe to go to go because just picturing these stories and then seeing the spots and praying in front of those spots, it just makes it all, it takes it all to the next level. But I mean, yeah, even just hearing what you've pointed out too, like how they're all connected, it's 
that's the thing I always go back to with my students in scripture too. I'm like, all of this points to Christ. All of this is connected. And I don't know, how can you not love that or, you know, or believe that? I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, we know, we know that there are people who struggle to believe. Sure. And sure. Sure. Yeah. This exegesis to use the big fancy word, yeah. this up, <laughs> the breaking open of scripture and making those connections helps. Right. You know, absolutely. And it's not just, what did Jesus mean in this? Or as I just flipped in my Bible, you know, what's going on in Jeremiah chapter 49? Um, just because that's where the Bible opened up. And it said, <laughs> concerning the Amorites, thus says the Lord. What does that mean? Who who the heck were these people? Mm-hmm. That's where it becomes hard to believe because mm-hmm. we get lost in the detail. And I think seeing the connections that are made across scripture mm-hmm. help us come to believe in a deeper way. That's really well said. And I, I think doing, like you said, doing stuff like this, doing exegesis, looking at the critical and historical context of this, it helps it to make sense and to come together, you know? Um, so I want to thank you so much for picking this passage and for spending the time to do this. We could, you know, talk forever and I hope that you'll come back on and do this again, maybe with another passage. Um, you're so good at it. <laughs> this is why they pay well, you the big bucks. <laughs> right. 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 Um, the big bucks for working for the church. Um, right. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. Maybe it's a little more than the Catholic school teachers make, but. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure probably not much. Probably <laughs> not more. No, this has been fun. And if you invite me back, you know, I'm sure we can find some other passages that would be wonderful. Absolutely. To I would love it. Um, this is the time at the end where I give people opportunity to plug anything. So I don't know if you have any events or anything on social media, or we just talked about unplugging, <laughs> but if there's something you would like to, to talk about at the end here. Just, I want to plug in a sense, any form of breaking open the word that mm-hmm. you can participate in. Um, Julia and I have mentioned what, uh, or Julia mentioned it, but the, what we do for liturgy training publications right now, mm-hmm. uh, that is continuing at least through the month of November. We're mm-hmm. all hopeful that it'll come back in the spring. So you could check out the liturgy training publications website, ltp.org, to see what they might have available. And if not, what is it for you? that will help you delve deep into scripture, you know, and get there. For myself, I can put a shameless plug in for saying that I am open for coaching clients if yes. you ever want to have a conversation about ministry, about life. I am one of those people who has unplugged from social media, so I am not on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, but you can reach me at Hendrickson, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, at Davenport Diocese. D-A-V as in Victor, E-N-P-O-R-T, D-I-O-C-E-S-E dot org. <laughs> well done. I was going to say, if you, twice. yeah, you've done it once or twice. And I was going to say, if you weren't going to plug yourself, I was absolutely going to plug for you because just, you know, working with you with LTP and then um, just hearing what you've had to share here. Um, I think that, you know, you're be great to consult and, and to coach and, um, you're doing such amazing things through that ministry. It's really important. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for being here. If you guys want to find me, I'm on Instagram at seven mile chats and on Twitter at mistruckly one. And I would love to talk scripture with anybody who wants to talk scripture with me. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Rosina, thanks so much.
Sounds great. Thank you, Julia. Bye, everyone.